Welcome to Mud Season, a podcast that cuts through the mud, brought to you by the Center for Research on Vermont, uncovering true stories from the Vermont Laboratory. I'm your producer, Eliza Giles, and this episode is titled Vermont Politics and the Silver Screen, featuring writer, professor, and politician Phil Baruth. The following is an interview between Phil Baruth and CRVT director Richard Watts on the relationship between media and Vermont's political history, specifically Fred Tuttle's 1998 campaign for Senate. So we're going to talk today about the crossover between politics and entertainment. Phil Baruth is a writer and a teacher here at UVM who's thought a lot about this. I think you argue, Phil, that this crossover between politics and entertainment really goes back to President Reagan. I, Ronald Reagan, do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. Yeah, exactly. So, obviously, politics is long, life is long. You could find other small examples here and there, probably before Reagan. But Reagan's really the first person who becomes famous as an actor, uh, films like Bedtime for Bonzo. A lot of people think they're born better than others. I'm trying to prove it's the way you're raised. He got mercilessly mocked during the primaries for thinking that he could be president. But what he had the ability to do was stand in front of people and inhabit that role of the president. We are Americans. And just remind us all that today we have a reality star as president. My name is Donald Trump and I'm the largest developer in New York. I even have a television show. So in a way, this idea of politics as entertainment has hit its apex. Well, we hope, right? Uh, We could wind up with a Supreme Court that were all members of Judge Judy's show at one point. Donald Trump actually is staffing his White House with people from Fox News television shows. So, you know, he's got an economic advisor who ran uh, an economic show. Larry Kudlow, the economic analyst, the TV personality, is going to be named as the director of the National Economic And he's Council. not making any secret of this. His belief is that people really want um, capable television personalities more than they want policymakers. So let's go to the Vermont part of this story. For me, the really fascinating moment living in Vermont is 1996 through 1998. Uh, and people out there will remember the name Fred Tuttle. Fred Tuttle! Fred Tuttle! Fred Tuttle! Fred is gone away now, but his story will live forever. I'll just give you a nutshell version of it. Um, John O'Brien is making a film called Man with a Plan, and it's about uh, an out-of-the-box candidate, an older dairy farmer who needs health care. Uh, and basically his farm is falling apart and he decides, wow, wouldn't it be great to go to Congress? They pay you, they give you health care. I'm all for it. And so in casting the film, O'Brien looks no further than his neighbor, Fred Tuttle, who was 77 years old. And Fred was central casting, you know, bib overalls, uh, a, a feed cap that said Fred. And there's no way to convey it in a podcast, but Fred just had this inimitable Fredness. Um, he was a kind of short guy, accent a mile thick. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter. And um, people just fell in love with him immediately because he was so clearly of good heart and yet bumbled a little bit in every situation. Just had to love him. So O'Brien casts Fred. The film becomes uh, a surprise hit in that it sells 40,000 copies in Vermont, best-selling film ever in Vermont. And it's through word of mouth and it's through 
bumper sticker campaigns. And it gets to the point where Fred is actually showing up at press conferences when the governor gives a press conference on the spending bill. Uh, there's Fred Tuttle. And after covering the governor, the reporters always sort of edge over to Fred to see what his take is. And his take was always some crazy, uh, you know, out of left field Fred speak. And so, for instance, when he was asked about Monica Lewinsky and Bill Clinton, his answer was, ah, let them do what they want. Uh, and so John O'Brien had uh, set that up, but he had his eyes on bigger things. So one thread in that movie is that Fred is running for Congress against a kind of bad guy. Congressman Bill Blatchley loves to get back to Vermont. But luckily, Bill spends most of his time on Capitol Hill, chopping pork out of the budget. And it gets closer and closer, and the bad guy starts, who's a congressman, starts attacking Fred a little bit, I remember. But in the end, Fred wins that election. By one vote. Uh, and it's because a friend of his uh, thinks it over and decides that Fred is the better, the better man. Uh, but yeah, so he was running in the film against a villain. O'Brien cast around because he had already begun to think, I'll run Fred in a real race. So he started thinking Fred versus Bernie Sanders and immediately realized that that storyline didn't work because Bernie wasn't a, a villain. And we have the highest rate of childhood poverty of any major country on earth. That is wrong. That is unacceptable. And together we're going to change that. And so Peter Frayne, who was the political columnist at Seven Days, said, oh, no, no. Who you should really run against is this guy, this character, Jack McMullen. And for those who don't remember Jack McMullen, he was... Uh, somebody who had spent most of his life in Massachusetts, then bought a residence here and immediately set about running for the Senate. But best of all, in my mind, he was a, a rather slight man with a huge black mustache, like a Gordon Liddy-style uh, silent film melodrama villain mustache. And uh, it was just perfect. And so Fred is running in the Republican primary. Jack McMullen is running in the primary, too, and the winner of this will face Pat Leahy, who's been senator maybe for 24 years or so. And Jack McMullen, although has only had residency in Vermont maybe for a year. Okay, so tell us a little bit about the campaign unfolds as unfolds, and then, of course, there's this pivotal moment of a radio debate. So, um, really, John O'Brien was running against Jack McMullen. Fred was the front man, but John O'Brien's mind and his, his shrewd intellect were behind every move. And so they did things like they had a fundraiser for a Nicola plate, and they wound up raising 125 nickels, right? That, that was the, the, the bulk of the campaign war chest that Fred had. But because McMullen was spending so much, and he wound up spending hundreds of thousands of dollars in the primary, the media tried to balance things out, which O'Brien knew they would. And uh, so it wound up, the more McMullen spent and the less Fred spent, the better Fred did. When, when it comes down to the, uh, the actual late summer stretch, what, uh, what McMullen and Fred do is a VPR debate. So this debate turns out to be the centerpiece of that political season. One of the most interesting campaigns in many years is this year's contest for the Republican U.S. Senate nomination. It's a campaign that features businessman Jack McMullen and retired dairy farmer Fred Tuttle running as a protest candidate. And again, O'Brien had thought this through to the nth degree. 
and he had a series of questions for Fred to ask that were just devastating. So we're going to start our first round of questions tonight with Fred Tuttle. Fred, have you got a question for Jack McMullen? And the first question was about uh, a tether. Yes, I, I think I got one here. Uh, Jack, uh, let's start off easy. What's a tether? What made it even more devastating was that Tuttle didn't crow when McMullen got it wrong. I have no idea. He he really felt for him, you know, so he'd say things like, oh, Jack, that's really difficult. That's really tough. Nobody gets those, Jack. You have no idea. It's a hay tether where it stirs the hay up so you can get it dry. But it really got interesting when uh, O'Brien had given Tuttle a list of towns and all he wanted Jack McMullen to do was pronounce them. So the first one was uh, Fred passes a piece of paper to Jack and says, you know, in his very thick Vermont accent. Jack, can you read these uh, Vermont towns? Montpelier, Berlin, Barry, Charlotte, Dover, Calais. What? What was that one? Calais. And the entire VPR audience went, oh, you know, it was a, it was a, a big psychological moment. Callis, Callis, yeah, maybe, I, I, nobody can pronounce that right. Okay, Jack. But that was nothing compared to the later question when Fred out of nowhere says, Jack, this is a milk production question. How many tips does a Holstein have and how many does a Jersey have? And McMullen really has no idea what he's talking about. He says, How many what? Tips, tips does a cow have? <laughs> McMullen says, Thinking about six, if I'm not About mistaken. four on a Jersey cow. Four, all cows have four tits. Four, okay. Uh, sometimes they're born with five, but the veterinary have to take one off. And that was it. Game, set, match. Uh, Fred wins by, uh, wins going away by, I want to say, 10 points in the primary. So, and I remember that debate well, because McMullen came to that debate like you would a debate for the U.S. Senate with questions about foreign policy. And well, Fred, we, uh, we see some troubles coming in Asia right now. Yeah. And Fred just keeps handing him these questions. Hey, Jack, you've owned a place in Warren for 15 years, right? Yes. Uh, how many town meetings you've been to in Warren? I haven't been to uh, too many town meetings in Warren, Fred. Didn't have time. I mean, you were gone. Oh, it was a... Uh, a second home. For so me. underscoring this is something about McMullen being from away, being a carpetbagger. I mean, people said these, this wasn't legitimate at some level, but at some other level, it right. really underscored the difference between this Vermont candidate. And right. I, like you, was listening to that debate. And when Jack McMullen mispronounced Callis, it was just like such a this is it. It just felt like that is the moment. And, and that's such a, uh, it's such a deep, deep um, moment to pronounce uh, Callis as Calais because it takes you into the entire history of the French speakers in this area versus the English speakers right. and the, the history of the literal battles for uh, who was going to control this area. And then which way would be the pronunciation that would be accepted as Vermont's pronunciation. So in, in 1998, when McMullen says callous, he sounds like he's from out of town and he sounds like he's an elite, um, when in fact he's using a French pronunciation that originally that was the pronunciation of the word, but it's, it's all deeply tied into Vermont history and the long and short of it was it was career ending that particular debate but here was the beauty of the setup what fred was hitting mcmullen with was authenticity 
you're you're not an authentic Vermonter. That was implicit in every question, every exchange, and it devastated McMullen. Hi, Ethan. Welcome to the program. Thank you much. I've got a question for Mr. Uh, McMullen as well. Um, I understand <laughs> that your residence in Vermont has been the primary focus of discussion in your bid for U.S. Senate. I uh, wanted to know, could you demonstrate to tonight's listeners your knowledge of Vermont by naming just three of the six towns that border Warren, where your summer home sits? But what Fred was really running on was his image as a film star, which is as inauthentic as you can get. So Fred had his cake and ate it too, right? He was he was the real guy, the real person, the real Vermonter, and he was the film star that everybody knew from going to their local multiplex. And uh, having it both ways allowed him, again, to spend a little over $100 while McMullen spent about a half a million. And here's where we come to these themes of politics and entertainment. And I know you've also written about Pat Leahy, who at the same time is starting to appear in Batman movies. So at this point, Leahy had been in two Batman films, and he had just filmed one that was going to come out, you know, contemporaneous with this election in 98. And so I think in Leahy's mind is this idea that he's going to trail a little bit of stardust into Vermont. You know, people will say, oh, wow, Pat Leahy's been a hardworking congressman, but look, you know, he's he's in a Batman film. Uh, what he didn't realize was that he was going to run against a local film star of the first magnitude to the point where they would go out to do events and all the kids would mob Fred. They all wanted to hug him. They all wanted to get his autograph. And then they would turn and very respectfully shake Leahy's hand and then turn back to Fred and start screaming again. Um, and Leahy said at one point, sort of sadly, you know, when this was going on, he turned to a reporter and said, They'd actually rather be with him, I believe. And, and it was true. And, and that's the stardust for real. And there's some point there where Fred was actually on comedy shoot, like Jay Leno, and he was becoming a national phenomenon. Right. Um, you know, there's a moment in the ultimate debate between Tuttle and Leahy that I always find interesting, where Leahy is responding to a questioner who, who is saying this whole thing is a sham, this election where uh, Tuttle wins the Republican nomination and then endorses Leahy, and they go on a tour around the state um, talking about, you know, kids should get out to vote for Pat Leahy, right? So there were many Republicans who felt betrayed by that, betrayed by the fact that, you know, the, 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 the local, you know, dairy farmer star Fred Tuttle had suddenly shifted to supporting Pat Leahy. As you can tell, Mr. Leahy has had just about the whole program a fine opportunity to talk, talk, talk about his ideas. And Mr. Tuttle gives over his time to Mr. Leahy for the most part. But Leahy in that debate responds to the questioner by saying, We're not a theme park in Vermont. Don't think just because you have a million dollars to buy some kind of an admission ticket that you can come into Vermont and have anything you want. And I, I find it so ironic because here's Leahy who's been in two Batman films. Here's Fred who is only known because of this mass exposure through Man with a Plan arguing both of them that Vermont is not a theme park but we clearly are. We're, we're clearly in a, in a very postmodern moment as is the rest of America where entertainment has not only entered politics but it's reshaped it invisibly so that people don't even realize the extent to which 
uh, what they see on the big screen and the little screen are influencing their votes. Wolverines! You're kidding, fearless leader! <laughs> Tom Cruise. Top of the year. In the craft. I have the best judgment and the best judgment. Word of the week is consistent. Rapper Kanye West says he is seriously considering a run for president. It 100% could happen. 2024. And then 45! And then 50! Until we find all 59! And take back the square! And Fred Tuttle, in a way, is one of the first sort of really visual symbols of that in Vermont. Here he's been in a movie, and now he's a candidate, quote-unquote. Where is this all headed? Phil Bruce, where do you see us going? And now we have a reality star yeah. in the White House who doesn't really seem to care much about being plain president. He just does whatever he does every day. And you say, you know, Fred is a character in a movie, and there's something theme park about yeah, all of this. Uh, doing very well politically. Well, I, I, I try to do pretty good, you know. Oh, emphasizing that Vermont agricultural heritage, which is much less a part of what's going on in Vermont. But is there something about these things that can happen in a place like Vermont because of the scale, because of the size? Absolutely. So, you know, compared to California, Hollywood, the dream factory. we are an extremely affordable media market. So Pat Leahy was running in 74. He was running in prime time because it was actually cheaper than buying 60-second commercials. So he could run 30 minutes in prime time for less than if he did 60-second uh, commercials at the end of that same 30-minute block. So that was a, an oddity um, back then. But even today, just comparing California, New York, Massachusetts uh, rates to air television ads... Um, you can't afford, really, in those media markets unless you're the, the top well-known national candidate um, to compete, to tell stories on film. But in Vermont, you can. The film in industry here is, I would say, stalled. Um, and I've tried in the legislature to, uh, among other things, offer large tax credits for films to be shot here because I think it comes back to you in the form of you know, hotel rates and um, casts buying dinners and hiring locals to, to work on the film, that sort of thing. But the other thing it does is it builds your mythos as a state. Hey, there's our movers! Chevy Chase is leaving the city to live in the country. See up there! They're in Vermont? How did this happen? Ow. <laughs> not all of it, Fritz. Country baby's not for sale. All right, now, where were we? White Christmas in Vista Vision. So, you know, you can still find older people in the country who've never been to Vermont, but they saw Holiday Inn, uh, you know, 75 years ago, and that's still their image of Vermont. So to the extent we can, we should be building that silver screen mythos. So if you think about what Donald Trump did, Donald Trump took the narrative from The Apprentice, really his character he's been playing his entire adult life. This isn't a game. I'm not playing games. Who will succeed? Who will fail? And who will be The Apprentice? You know, the devil-may-care businessman who has this gut that magically tells him how to make money. And, uh, and he was able to sell that to the country as an overlay of America, right? Right. 
I'll run America like a, a boardroom. I'll run America like a company. And people could understand how that would work. Since you are attacking no, our news not organization, you. Not can you. you give us a chance? Your organization You are attacking our news organization. Your organization Can you give us a chance Let's to go. ask a question, sir? Go ahead. Sir, can Quiet. you state? Quiet. So I think if you're a candidate who's running on an image that's been created in in film or television, that image has to be applicable. It has to be analogous somehow. So Fred, running as the, the dairy farmer who was outside the process uh, and would bring you know the values of the heartland. Neighbors, we have met here on this rather cold morning to uh, celebrate in victory the election of one of our own to the House of Representatives of the United States Congress. Mr. Fred Tuttle, the Honorable Fred Tuttle. Thank you for listening to Mud Season, presented by the Center for Research on Vermont. This week's episode is titled Vermont Politics and the Silver Screen, brought to you by me, your host and producer, Eliza Giles. This episode included archival audio from VPR. Also, special thanks to Phil Baruth for sharing your knowledge in this fascinating piece of Vermont history. If you're studying Vermont, either as a profession or as a hobby, consider applying for membership to the Center for Research on Vermont. It costs nothing and will help you to keep up to date with the latest Vermont news and research, as well as with future podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook or on Twitter and Instagram under username handle CRVT underscore. If you know of a story that should be featured on our show, please contact us. If we miss something or if anything in this episode is incorrect, please email us at CRVT at UVM.edu and we will update the information. Regardless, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.